Before we begin this week's broadcast, please be aware this podcast contains sensitive subject matter regarding mental health and suicide. If you think this may cause some distress, please consider not listening any further. If you or anyone you know is going through tough times, see the episode show notes for links to organisations that offer professional help. everyone and a huge welcome to the Dedicate podcast. I'm Kate Ivey, your host, and thank you so much for being here. Today I'm chatting to the incredible Ali Perriam. In 2018, Ali founded the mental health charitable trust Will to Live after she lost her partner Will to suicide. Al shares her massive journey of grief and recovery and she will inspire you with her courage and drive to help others and be the best version of herself. Season 5 of the Dedicate podcast and Workout for Mental Health is proudly sponsored by Rabobank. Rabobank's focus is on food and agribusiness, pure and simple. They have a deep understanding of farming life and what it takes to run a successful agribusiness. Our podcast is about challenges and we interview a variety of different people and it's amazing everyone has had some challenges in their lives and they've come out the other side stronger and better off for their experience. Um, it's slightly different in your case. Obviously, you've come out the other side strong, but it's a tragedy that ideally, you know, that shouldn't have happened. So can you tell us tell us about that? Yeah, I suppose um, um, the one that you're alluding to is, um, yeah, the death of Will back in 2017. Um, I was, no, just turned 20 um, when he took his life. And... Yeah, I suppose it wasn't the the first life big life challenge that I had to face. I had quite a lot of childhood trauma growing up, um, and so so what was that growing I, up? So yeah, well, I grew up in um, like quite a quite a few different households. Um, I was from a farming family, and my parents got divorced, and yeah, and I suppose it was back when I was five that I started having to try and develop resilience and self-soothing like techniques and yeah so I did quite a lot of processing before um, Will came along however um, because of those those sort of childhood traumas I when Will's um, death kind of happened um, I was already in quite a anxious attachment style um that's how I was living my life and mm-hmm. um abandonment wounds and um had quite a lot of that already in my store in my case mm-hmm. and it wasn't until after that he passed I realized that hit um way stronger in my gut of um people leaving so so you're sort of dealing with a whole lot of different things all at once got forced to deal with yeah I didn't realize that at the time until I started grieving properly um, and then later on studying psychology and, and going into depths of it. But it really did come down to if, if one trauma isn't healed before the next one starts, it, it seems to explode. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Makes so sense, so was, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're only yeah. just holding it together and <laughs> if you had attachment issues and you would have been relying on Will for that and then that's all yeah. taken from you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think I was... Um, in some regards now after after all of that from childhood to will um i have come to peace with people come and go and to to enjoy the time with people that you have and you know if they're around for 
I know I really like the quote, it's, uh, each person in your life is around for a reason, a season or a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm not afraid of, of losing people. I'm not afraid of death. I'm not, a, because I know it's just a part of life and each person will come in as a teacher and I will learn from them as much as possible. And w- when they leave, it might be from a relationship breakup, a friendship breakup or a death. It's because it's I finished learning from them. And then I wow. am just yeah working on um, looking at life that way and, and my perspective of that has changed and I'm in a really content um, peaceful place now it's sure. amazing and I'm looking forward to hearing like more about that because it is again an example of yes challenges really do bring out the best in people and obviously we wouldn't have wanted that to happen but wow like the person that you are now you wouldn't necessarily be without these challenges in your life would you no, I, I'm I'm grateful for each experience and um and even after Will it was yeah a couple years of depression and trying to find my I lost feel like I lost my sense of self um due to this PTSD and anxiety that seemed to be ruling my my life. Um and yeah, and then yeah, I didn't know how to grieve properly. So I just used the coping mechanism mechanisms that um stopped emotions from feeling so painful. Yeah drugs and alcohol naturally yeah Um, and probably also setting up the charity in itself was a massive coping mechanism yes it actually was putting your heart and soul into that yeah it was it was like when I started the charity I wasn't ready to start the charity at all I was still raw in the grief and um, looking back now it was kind of a silly idea to do it when I did it because I I I love the charity but it was a distraction Mm -hmm. from um, it was an escape um, but that is how you got it going so well isn't it it's because that raw emotion and that that powerful mm. story that people relate to and that you would have had that massive drive to do it because you were trying to conceal all these dark dark emotions mm, yeah definitely I the one emotion that ruled my time over creating the charity was anger and a stage of grief was anger and I was, I was kind of angry at the world but I was also angry it's when you aren't in a place of acceptance you can sometimes get into that blame and blame other people and blame the world and um and so I sort of blame the health system I blame you know and I, mm-hmm. I was like right I need to do something different here I, I don't want this feeling that I have trapped yep. in my body. I need to change the world basically which is impossible for one person to do yeah, <sighs> yeah. and so with anger though and um I it, it becomes a lot of energy so I had a lot of energy to create the charity out of mm-hmm. that yeah <laughs> um, and over time I definitely was um I was processing the whole way through the tour um the mm. tour was actually one of the best things that I did for my grief because I repeated my story 18 times and by the 18th time it was almost like I was desensitized to mm-hmm. my story and um I felt a little guilt by the last one at Gisborne. I'm like, why aren't I crying anymore? Like, do I just not have any emotion left to this chapter? But I think it was just, I just processed it so many times. And probably exhaustion. Like Exhaustion. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I have got to this point where now I can, I think about where I can think about the story. I can have memories, but I don't have those horrific, like experience, internal experiences. Mm -hmm. I just see them as, a chapter of my life that I'm thankful I had for such a short time but I yeah. also know that my story is only just getting started that's an amazing outlook and so how did you and Will meet 
Okay, the first time I probably don't really remember, but um, <laughs> the, the old pub story. <laughs> yeah, 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 probably. <laughs> um, we met quite briefly um, and um, within a couple of weeks, he was actually about to leave for Canada. So I was kind of gutted. I um, He was only going for a, a couple of months, but I didn't really know it was going to happen. But he asked me if I could look after some of his dogs and I really needed dogs because I was shepherding at the time. So I was yeah. like, hopefully, Will. Um, and so it sort of flourished a little bit while he was away. And then um, when he came back, it sort of all just, it kicked off. Um, I'd grown really attached to his dog, Jess, who was like, this broken and hunt away that I could never afford, but I got given. Um, so I was pretty stoked. Yeah. And yeah, and then he, when he did come back from Canada, yeah, it was it was really good. And I suppose that was my you know first love, like young love. Like, mm -hmm. how old were you? Um, I think I just turned nineteen. Up until then, um, yes, like I did not have any faith in males. <laughs> I was actually I was sort of petrified of them in a way where I distanced myself super quickly and when I was working on a farm prior to meeting Will I um I did I, I started to go to some counseling um there was one that happened to be um 20 minutes down the road and I started seeing her for um my issues with my dad and um I was just yeah I, and I just did not have any just didn't want to go near any of them pretty much and it was cool because I see so it wasn't just like the normal um teenage growing up and you've been treated a bit crap here and there by guys it was actually because of your relationship with your father that you didn't have yeah you were scared of men yeah yeah, scared, yeah. but and yeah. you know mentally not yeah, ready <laughs> yeah definitely I um yeah my my it was kind of difficult I was the only one out of our three siblings um that had a relationship with dad because I was forced to as a child um my sisters stopped talking to him for quite a few years and so where I, was he did where were you living did he just suddenly leave your family um no mum and dad split up um just because of their trauma yeah. happened between them I won't yeah. go. um and then so it kind of left me as a five-year-old alley living between the west coast and um Otago mm -hmm. and um, yeah I got shipped back and forth like legally I had to um, so how often was, did you have to go back and forth every two weeks oh um, wow that's massive it's a long way yeah yeah it was and looking back at it now like I'm thankful I grew up in like two beautiful places of New Zealand yeah. like one in Haas and one in Central Otago and I was like they are the most gorgeous and going back home now I'm just I'm ha I'm actually thrilled for that divorce because I got to have this childhood which gave me so many opportunities in the light of it so, and so I, how come it was just you what about your siblings were they the same I, yeah well my siblings and I had a very different upbringing because um my sisters are 10 and 12 years older than me so they were I out see. of school they were just about to leave school when when um, the divorce happened and I was only I just starting school yes <laughs> so, that is completely different yeah yeah and somewhat felt quite alone and um mm. they had to go off and live their lives and explore the world and I was um yeah but I'm, I'm very thankful for them because they took over um, a parenting role for a mass amount of my life. Pretty nice. Much. Yeah. Um, and it wasn't until I started, you know, getting older and going to high school and, and going to parties and experiencing life where I was very distant from guys. Or I was, I was really scared of, well, not scared of them, but I just, I had no, I didn't even want to go near them. And if I did, I'd 
talk to them for a bit and one started liking me I'd start crying (laughs) (laughs) it was just this weirdest thing and then it came down to my sisters being like you need to go and like see someone and heal heal your relationship with dad and and Mm -hmm. your memories that you have associated to that and as soon as I did um yeah three months later I feel like I manifested Will somehow into my life and I was so happy for him to be there yeah and And sorry just sorry to interrupt just a question with your dad so you're obviously seeing him regularly so what was it that made the relationship so negative his actions towards me and towards people came from a place of of his trauma right and Mm -hmm. when I developed an understanding of that I could see him with a lot of more compassion Mm -hmm. um and you know because hurt people hurt people right Mm -hmm. and if someone's being mean to you or um, neglecting you or guilt tripping you or doing something it's it's purely a reflection of them um and so yeah I'm 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 in the most best place with my parents I that's nice I love them so much I see them regularly I I do not take a moment for granted with them anytime it was just the the first 10 years of my life which which was which was tough i yeah the relationship I had as a child with them is, is completely different now yeah and they probably uh, say that those 10 years were their toughest times in their lives as well yeah processing yeah. a lot of stuff and dealing yeah, with a lot of things yeah yeah I think if, if they had a lot to process like it would be pretty hard to give your full attention and care to to your child you know mm-hmm. and I, I'm not a mother yet but um it, it'll be an experience when I am and to you know try and be as conscious with my parenting as possible yeah it's hard um, going <laughs> yeah definitely but um you know there is I, re- I really like um Bruce Lipton it's like man uh, give me a boy before seven and I'll show you a man meaning like your belief system your conditioning is all set up before the age of seven so wow. I had a lot of beliefs to uncover mm. in my late teens um, so I could go out into the world and, and be where I am now in my 20s. Um, you know. So how amazing that you did do that, that you went and got help so young. Yeah. That's really yeah, awesome. Super thankful that I did, yeah, started mm. cracking into that early early on before yeah. I was about to leave school because that really, that time leaving school dictates, you know, you're trying to find out your career and your place in the world. Mm. And self and it's a really big development time yeah it's so, massive yeah having that support right yeah in your late high school is yeah fundamental yeah. and then um so three months after you sort of started working on that you met Will yeah yep definitely met him in a really great place really great time of my life I suppose I didn't have any of responsibility I was just going to work and we just had the funnest time living in the McKenzie Basin had a great friend group um, so were you were you working on a farm in the Mackenzie as well? Yeah, I was. Yeah, I moved down a wee bit to be a wee bit closer to him. Um, yeah. And Amerima, which was great, and life was blossoming. It was exciting. It was like, you know, you're 19, you got no parents looking over yeah, you. The world's you got, your oyster. You've got, you got money, you can yeah. just yeah, do what you like. And so um we but as a friend group looking back we didn't ever talk about our emotions like no one did because we kind of thought everyone was just happy yeah um, you just assume I, the name if you were to if I were to cry to someone it'd probably just be my sister Kate or one or very two select people I wouldn't um really show and you never anything. sort of thought anything was serious when you had deeper meaningfuls with your friends it yeah. was all just part of the journey and the the drama kind of yeah of that age yeah. 
yeah for sure so I suppose it, it came out of you know his death came out of absolute blue like mm-hmm. none of us could even pinpoint a time where he even looked angry or upset it's like it kind of was like he, the only emotion he had was just happy content will and we never saw him any other way which is scary um, yeah and have scary. you been able to unpack any of that and work work it out or is it still a mystery now I mean, there will always be a little bit of mystery for sure because, you know, I was only with Will for just over a year, right? And that's only Mm. one year of his life that I got to see. Mm. Um, And so I don't know what happened the last 18 years of his life. Mm. Um, And I know that, you know, your childhood can stem a lot of beliefs that into your system that make you feel unworthy or not good enough or, um, you know, a lot of self-doubt and negativity and, and shame and you know shame is one of the emotions and guilt that leads to depression so something could have happened well way before I came along um so I don't think I'll ever know about that he just was really good at masking whatever that was Mm. um to me and to his close and his loved ones and his family so his family haven't shared anything that they think no like me like from an outsider looking in he had a really beautiful supportive family Mm. um his you know boss at the time and he worked on a farm was like his second father like Mm. treated him amazingly like a son and that was beautiful to witness um and you know he did say he loved his job and so Mm. it wasn't anything so any of the research you've done um can it be like almost a random day of and it just happened you know like it wasn't something that been planning for a while it was just almost like a a mistake kind of does that make sense mm, I, or is it normally the, something that's been manifesting for a long time I th- for the for the very first year I was like it's got to be a mistake it's got to mm-hmm. be like an absolute stuff up like um but then you know I, I don't think that it's just a one-off thought that people have I, mm. I think it is semi what plan like I think we just had the Canterbury show and we, we had a big like week or two with all our friends and he got to see his family and like he was probably like the hat you know it's about to be December it's about to be summer he was on mm. the leaderboard for rodeo like you know he was going good in life from mm. paper um but yeah I don't think it was it was ever a, like a mistake the, the the week leading up to it it was like extraordinarily, extraordinarily happy. And I- I've heard thought, that a lot, that that happens. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember like going to feed the dogs and him just kind of like, I don't know, just a spring in his step. But I didn't know if it was because I was there or like mm. if we just had a good week. Um, and so, yeah, that was one of the first memories I, I pulled upon when when I found out. And I was like, yeah. And someone said they do when they make their mind up. But the, yeah, the night of like, yeah I'm not I'm not 100% sure what was the triggering point where he just did it because the day of he just had an amazing time with like his colleagues so Mm. it's it's it just shows how much of a deep challenge it is to be happy knowing that you're not going to survive in a few days time you know like it doesn't make any logical sense does it no I no I depression is yeah, I, I suppose I'm I'm quite thankful that after Will and um, my horrific kind of bad, I won't do it again, I've learned now, but my coping mechanism of drinking a lot 
um, and tapping into drugs was actually led me down into depression about three months after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was a crazy experience. I felt like you were a zombie that had obs- like no emotions. Um, you could, you could experience. Yeah. So I, I mean, I'm thankful that three months later on, I actually got to experience depression in itself. Mm-hmm. To see um, what it was like for him. Yeah, to see what it was like for him. And it actually helped me accept his decision. Yeah. Because, yeah, a lot of the time where it was quiet time, either driving or, you know, in the shower, actually in the shower, because that's when you're kind of like alone without devices and you wouldn't mm-hmm. thought that was the scariest time. My sister had to be in the bathroom for quite, like a couple of weeks when I was first grieving because I was scared to be on my own at wow. all. Yeah. Um, and, yeah and it was those times those quiet times where um yeah had those thoughts of of taking my life and and I remember going through a list of my mind rattling off my family members and my closest friends that like justifying how they're going to get through life without Mm -hmm. me so because mom and dad had a lot of trauma we had you know other family members die I was like well they survived that so they're going to survive me going like Mm -hmm. it's a sick thought to have but it's like my brain was like, okay, they're going to be okay. They're going to be yeah. okay. So you're not actually thinking about how hurt they're going to feel. You're just trying to convince yourself that everything's going to be okay. Well, when you the pain you experience is just so intense. I was talking to Kendall White last week in the podcast. She set up Blue Tree Project and she lost her brother to suicide. And I was just saying to her how I had one day a week or two ago before the kids went back where I was experiencing intense anxiety and that was only one day and it was horrible. It was awful. And so to be feeling that day in, day out, you can understand how those thoughts arise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And yeah, and I think that's, you know, a lot of people take out their depression either like physically or, you know, abuse others or they have, they outlet it and not a beneficial way but it's it's still an outlet of, of feeling like that and, and avoiding their feelings like mm-hmm. I loved when I re- heard on a podcast of Jay Shetty that when they did a an experiment and to either shock people for 30 minutes with an electric shock or for them to be in a dark room along with their thoughts which one would they take and 80 percent of the people took the shock because that's how we're, we're afraid to be alone with with our thoughts um and yeah and I think that's where like practices like meditation and yoga and walking and and you know journaling and doing a lot of self-work is is so fundamental to exercise get to a place where and exercise exactly to get to a place where we're in love with our own company mm-hmm. um, and and silence and yeah and it can bring out the best of us yeah it really can and thinking about my own journey I sometimes think I fill my entire day purposely be hectic and chaotic mm-hmm. because don't know what to do with yourself when you're not busy, not doing something. And so three months, you had that initial grief was probably just, I can hardly experience anything for the first three months. And then at three months, that's when you were really depressed yourself. How often were you drinking and doing drugs and stuff? Was it a d- daily sort of thing or just the weekends and having the really down during the weeks? Um, For the first two months, well, the, the thing about it was because he took his life at the the start of December it was about to turn into the social season Mm. and so I was kind of stoked because my friends took 
two the first two weeks off to spend the raw grief with me and yeah we drank every day I think I drank a box of Corona every day of December I put on a lot of weight (laughs) (laughs) they wouldn't have known how else to support you they would have just they just joined it I love my friends I they they didn't tell me not to do anything they just we're beside we're there me. for you yeah. just, and you know and we and were if, if you and, said let's have a yeah. corona they'd have a corona if you said let's go for a walk let, that would do go for a walk whatever yeah make me feel not alone and it, it sounds bad but we had one like it is one, one of the best times of my life purely mm. because we had well I was masking the emotions so they were mm-hmm. they were masked they weren't really and there yeah I had all of our best friends around us all at once from all over the country so it was kind of like, we, I was gutted because I was like, Will would have loved to be, be here. Yeah. Like everyone that loves him is around us. It's summertime. Um, and so- yeah, And you grow I, closer to people when you experience something together. So experiencing something as intense as that, you would have felt even closer to these good friends. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was great. Good group closer to Will's mates and, and my own friends and family. And um, yeah, it was- yeah, it was it was nice, but the only thing was is when everyone went back to work, I think middle of January to you know their holidays are over. Their um, my grief wasn't over; it was yeah. just starting to begin. And then I had the come down, and I didn't know that drugs made you have these come downs, which didn't made you feel depressed. <laughs> well, no, so I was absolutely longer term. You mean rather than like the next day. Yeah, I, like I, um, I was completely against like drugs, like MDMA, all those because I went to a boarding school and it just was not accepted. Like we didn't even talk about it. I didn't even see it yeah. until I was like closer to twenty, mm-hmm. and I was in that mode where I was like, oh fuck it, why not? Like I got nothing to lose. I was in like you couldn't see a future, so it didn't matter what you did today okay. because yeah. you don't you don't ever think forward. You don't even mm-hmm. think past like the week sort of thing. And then when it was time to get sober, that's when it really hit me. And that's mm-hmm. when my depression kicked in. And so you're dealing with the grief and then the come, come down, down from everything you've been doing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that was, that was the heaviest. And heaviest. a come down from the happiness that you were experiencing with everyone around you and that's that gone as well. So it was like everything Yeah, all at once. Cause yeah. I mean, your friends can't stay around you forever. They, had to leave at some point for you to get on and deal with the next stage. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, it's, yeah. And I suppose um, I was quite grateful for, so my sister, um, Kate, she lost her partner three months before I lost Will. Oh, wow. So in a, in a different, in a car accident. However, um, she was by my side uh, through the whole process um, in my bed every night and, yeah. and, we're kind of going through it together. Mm, but I was going to say you're probably supporting her just as much as she was supporting you. Like it would have been helping her. Yeah, I don't. I don't think I even was. So when she first lost um, him, I definitely was trying to be as supportive as possible, and I couldn't mm. give. But as soon as I lost Will, my I couldn't give to. Yeah, but what I mean I by that is, her helping you would have helped her, even yeah. though you weren't giving anything back to her. It would have, yeah. would have helped her. It was just nice because being with Kay and, you know, going to move in with her for a while and looking, watching, observing her interact with others and and interact through life. If she was laughing with her friends, 
and again and she was you know doing awesome things I was like that's going to be me in three months time mm-hmm. it's like she was a walking being of hope for me mm-hmm. um that I'm like if she can do it I can do it and this yeah, is why amazing. I always push people to share their stories because they can be so life-saving um, yeah. for others to just witness like it's evident it is human evidence that if they got through it you can too yeah so then when did you start the charity how long after you lost Will um I think I I will so I didn't know whether to go back to uni in that following Feb um I wanted to oh so like two months later sort of thing yeah well I suppose uni was about to start yeah and then you start thinking yeah yeah um and I did go back but I I wanted to do something I was I wanted to study psychology I wanted to do something I just wanted to research why this has happened pretty much because mm-hmm. I just want it's like your brain doesn't stop until it gets an answer no well it can't make sense of what's happened can it yeah no not at all and so I I, I went back to Lincoln U for a while and my mum came in um, lived with me and slept in my bed I was just still um, anxious the night times were the scariest I, I had these strange experiences where I would have nightmares about six times a night but it felt like I was going into a fit like a seizure in my brain and then I would wake up and I'd be like mom was I just full-on shaking she was like no you're completely still but I'd see something in my dream I didn't want to see and then I would it would just shake it was like all these memories would just shake and rattle and um so it must have been now looking back a part of my REM sleep where my brain's trying to process um, the trauma and the memories. Yeah, but it, it was terrifying. So I got afraid of sleeping for quite a long time. So I, yeah, so when mum came in. Um, afraid me, of sleeping, that's another thing that you're then dealing with, lack of sleep that yeah. affects your mental health. Oh yeah, insomnia alone. Um, even, yeah, not getting enough sleep can lead you into depression. Mm because the beauty the what happens in sleep is like that's your memory processing time that's yeah especially in your REM sleep so you need about you need at least five six hours to get into your memory processing sleep and Mm -hmm. if you're getting less than six hours and your brain's not not being able to to sort and process everything yeah and and learn as well you can't Mm. observe learnings so um yeah and I suppose I just kept waking up in the night and I was like I have to do something and mum's like well just get up and and write write stuff down even if it's two o'clock in the morning just brainstorm whatever it is and yeah that's because the night time is so lonely isn't it when you're awake at night it's mm, that's when yeah. you're alone with your own thoughts yeah and um and yeah so I started at two o'clock in the morning writing mm. writing the concept of of will to live about oh, wow. four yeah. months later yeah when with the nights I couldn't sleep I just was up writing and what an amazing um, name yeah it was I didn't actually know what to call it mm. um oh my gosh I can't actually remember who gave me the name someone gave me the name so good <laughs> I think it was like a distant distant friend or um, yeah. of wills but I yeah Sorry to whoever my brain just shattered them to pieces right now. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it it, it was an amazing name and and concept. And so I had Jess, this also black dog that was given to me by Will, and the concept all just fell together, really. Yeah, amazing. And you started the tours in 2020? 2019. 2019. So a year, less than a year. Yeah. 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 So, it wasn't until 
yeah, closer to the end of 2018 that it um, really sort of kicked off into this this project. Very thankful. I, I didn't know what, like I had all these ideas, but I had no idea to execute them. Mm-hmm. And still to this day, I feel like that's what I'm here for, just for, to make up ideas, but never actually roll with them. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> um, but luckily I had my sister who was in media, Sarah, and the support from my other sister. And and um, with with all those skills, um, from people around me and you take amazing photos as well which is a massive thing for social media for getting engagement yeah definitely yeah for sure and I'm lucky they had those people to to help me share that you know they shared me their photos and content and um, I, I really like to write so I was just writing a lot and posting a lot and um, yeah and started the tour but right before the tour was about start had a car accident you did um, yeah that and that almost took my life um and what happened the car accident like uh, I I was driving past this a lot of the spots so a year on I was still dealing with this grief Mm. and um was trying to enter back into community I had a lot of social anxiety 2018 was a horrific year um because I had the concept of will to live running every engagement I went to like party whatever it was people were coming up to me to share their stories and I was not ready Mm. I was not ready for it I was not ready to be I didn't want to be a public figure I didn't want to be on media it was all too much but you know I get kept getting told you know it's for the greater good like you you need to get your face and your story out there I'm like okay that that's all good but I'm I've never done it before no and what about my own mental health I was just wasn't ready and so Mm. yeah people recognizing me and I and I'm now if someone comes up to me I can I have the space I can hold space for someone mm-hmm. but I, I didn't know how to then mm-hmm. um and that sent me in to back into social anxiety and depression at the end of 2018 yeah so um yeah and I was easily triggered I was hypervigilant and um yeah I was going to a party with a friend who really lovely supportive friend mm-hmm. wanted get me back out into the social world I was mm-hmm. hiding I hermited and for anyone that knows me I'm an extrovert and I'm a people lover and I oh I hate spending time alone like I just yeah. want to be you get energy from others yeah get my energy from others so this mm. was the polar opposite to me so it, that, they were concerned as hell me feel so yeah like I'm mm. not I'm not Ellie and so we went to this party but I didn't want to be there so I kind of was like oh yeah I'll meet you there soon um knowing that I'm about to have a a breakdown like just a grief wave mm-hmm. um and yeah and as soon as I saw my the coast was clear and my friend had gone in and wouldn't notice that I'm not coming in I had my a panic attack broke down and I was in a gully that had no service so I took my truck drove to the top of the hill to try and ring Kate so Kate was my sister was um if I ever had these break breakdowns I'd just ring her and mm-hmm. she would be able to soothe me somehow I don't know what she did, but she had this amazing way of making me feel safe. Yeah, and I guess you completely Um, just trusted her and you'd been through so much together that even just the sound of her voice was potentially. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And no one ever even knew I was at that party. So when they found out I had a car accident, I think it became a big shock. Um, I was Mm -hmm. going there to surprise some friends because probably hadn't seen me in a while. Mm -hmm. But I just saw masses of people flood out of this building and I was like I can't go in there I just can't and yeah driving I lost control couldn't see anything my eyes were just 
full of tears and my track court edge and I rolled down a hill and ended up going to hospital. So I'm I'm so thankful I survived that mm. accident and that trauma. Where were you? Um what part of the country. Chicago. Yeah. Yeah. So and it was like it was a country road that you were on. Yeah. Like shingle or tassel? I think it was shingle. Yeah. yeah. Um a lot and yeah, and I and I think this is where it comes back to where I said at the beginning of this podcast, where if one trauma is not resolved, another one will happen. Mm. And I now see that accident happen because I was not in a place where, you know, I, I did not get myself healthy. I did not. Mm. I, did not I stopped doing the work pretty much, yeah. and that one manifested into my life. Um, and depressed at the time. So um, through this de- depression and um, yeah, these challenges in 2019 were you not seeing anyone so you saw someone before you met Will but you weren't seeing anyone to help you during I, that year I tried I could not connect with counselors I couldn't connect with myself I just I tried and I and I just gave up I just mm. was like yeah I had my sister and she did a lot she's a um, Chinese medicine and acupuncture and she did so much to help me. Um, I also saw NIS, Neurolinking Practitioner in mm-hmm. Queenstown, which got rid of my nightmares so I could sleep again. Oh, awesome. So, and I also saw like naturopaths to help me sleep. I did a lot for my sleeping. I did a lot for like- So you're my, doing a lot. So when you say, you know, you had dealt with it, how, what, what more could have you done? You know, it's a process, isn't it? That takes time. Yeah, I think I- yeah, it is a process that takes time. With counseling, I just couldn't connect because if me telling my story was re-traumatizing, I, um, mm-hmm. it would actually make me feel worse. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't prepared to go into that yet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, what more could have done? I'm, I honestly don't know. I was in a sort of like another relationship that was also quite emotionally abusive when I was already <laughs> like, it was just- Not what you needed. It was just a horrible year. I just, yeah. I can't even- grasp it anymore I like I can't Mm -hmm. even believe it happened and I was I was manifesting unhealed people into my life because I was unhealed Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that just made everything a hundred times worse yeah and but luckily I had that accident another thing I'm thankful for isn't it incredible sometimes how things yeah it was when I ended up in hospital um I I managed to walk to help and this is why now I study natural medicine and I study the human body because when I got thrown from the car I punctured my liver my my um, pancreas and it broke all my ribs and I had internal bleeding but for some reason somehow adrenaline kept me alive to be able to walk to the nearest house to get help wow and And how far was it I'm not actually sure how far it was. I just remember seeing a light being like, I hope that is not like a freaking pivot or fucking. Yeah. And um, as soon as someone, like I saw a human and mm-hmm. my body was like, you're safe. Memory blocked that completely. And I just think I fell and they're just, then the next moment I really remember is being in a helicopter and then in hospital. But it's just amazing because the next day in hospital, I couldn't move a single limb, but your body has these hormones has mm. has the mechanisms to keep yeah. you alive in absolute danger when when you amazing isn't it yeah be. and that is just continuously fascinating me and um when i this is the, this is the turnaround point and i I've, I've never really had depression again was 
seeing my friends and family come and visit me in hospital with tears streaming down their face that they're going to lose me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't really know what was going to happen. I couldn't talk. I couldn't really move. I knew I was alive. I was breathing. Mm -hmm. Um, But I just was, my body was exhausted. So Mm -hmm. those faces are just so evident in my mind that, you know, if I leave this earth, they're going to be suffering. Mm -hmm. Um, And my job right now is just to do what I can to stay alive, to make my loved ones, you know, happy. And, I was and to like, get the most out of your life. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I never, never since then took my life for granted. And oh. um, it was just the biggest turnaround point. And I feel almost like that accident had to happen to really wake me and mm. um, snap me out of, of this depressive world I was living in and yeah. taking life for granted. Amazing. And then so what followed from there? Um another year or about so three months the tour was about to start in about two months time and um I'd done all this fundraising I've done all this event planning prior um to make this happen and I you know got twenty thousand dollars from rural people around New Zealand to put these events on and the Mm. you know I just remember dad being like you're not doing it you've got to get yourself well you've got to cancel it and I was like I'm sorry dad I'm not canceling you would have felt (laughs) the pressure like I may, yeah, I felt this overwhelming sense of pressure and I was like, I do not want to let anyone down. So I was like, right, what do I have to do to heal my body? Um, my sister and mum was so good. And this is where I'm passionate about natural medicine. Mm-hmm. I used food, I used practices. I did um, so much to get my body healing. And the doctors were so surprised within like a month, you know, I could walk to the driveway and back. I could, you know, um, I was doing... I just healed my ribs healed my, my oh, so how long were you in hospital for um 29 days wow um yeah from my ICU and then obviously just go down the wards as you get better and better yeah. and then they finally release you and um yeah and there's yeah when I, ke- I had to keep getting scans to see if like my organs were sewn back up <laughs> by myself and oh my um, yeah they were super surprised that how quickly and I definitely owe it to you know my sisters and my mom for feeding me nutrients mm. like every it's so undervalued and un- underrated in oh, our society absolutely. but also in the world of medicine yeah let their food be their medicine and medicine be their food 100%. yeah and um that's that's how I reckon I managed to get going so quickly and and was able to to do the tour in the mm. end for sure Amazing. Yeah. And so were you limping or anything by then? Um, no, I was, I healed so quick. You were full throttle. Yeah. I just put all my energy into healing. Mm. And also when I couldn't move, I was putting my energy into reflection, studying, mind. learning yeah. my mind. And I think that's a really big thing for people who get physically injured or hurt or ill. It's like, yes, you may not be able to, you know, I was gutted. I couldn't run. I couldn't really walk to my letterbox. But what I could do is, you know, I could put my focus into what I can. And you know, mm. that was to upskill, to knowledge. That's powerful. And yeah. I read um, one of your posts, it might have been written in 2021, I think. And I completely agree where you talk about how your mental and physical health is, you know, inextricably linked. It's all sort of one and people see them as sort of two separate things, but really they're one. Oh, a hundred percent. I think for the first two years, I called my mental, I called myself a mental health advocate, and now I'm just a holistic health practitioner and advocate yeah. because I, I don't. It was the Western med- medicine that came in and said 
you have a mind and you have a body and we have two different types of practitioners that can treat each one mm -hmm. but the the thing with if you if you go in to any healing any disease you'll go in so limited to thinking it's just physical just mental mm -hmm. like our beliefs our conditioning even from something so young and the way we live our lives our anxiety impairs our immune um and so everything is interlinked and I think it's really cool now there's a big shift where eastern med and and naturopathy and with there's making a comeback and people yeah. are starting to to realize that the medicine that's been here all along um and that what nature has been giving us mm -hmm. is exactly what we need that's yeah. why we both share the same earth mm. and it's it's really cool so yeah, I'm extremely fascinated with mind body connection and health. And it's really cool that you're doing this movement for mental health, because as you would know, as everyone that's done dedicate, how different do you feel before and after if you were really to reflect after mm -hmm. a 20 minute workout? It's, it's life changing. It's day changing. It's life changing. It's, I couldn't cope without it. And one of the things that I find fascinating about it is when you don't do it, you less feel like it. And people get themselves in these these ruts because they think they don't feel like it and they feel like they don't need it because mm -hmm. they don't feel like it. But that's when that's when you need it the most. So if you're sitting there right now feeling like you don't have the energy to exercise, that's probably because you need to exercise. You need to get that energy yeah. from exercise. Yeah, yeah. And I did a lot of processing through exercise. So my two things, like if anything happens now, like I'm like that, you know it's triggering to me I either go for a walk in nature because I mm -hmm. find nature in itself has a healing capacity yep. and then or I do yoga which is you know soft dynamic mm -hmm. movements that to like music that I enjoy that brings yep. me joy. so those are my two co almost co new coping mechanisms now that are way more healthier for me than um, drugs and alcohol yeah 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 <laughs> we've done a big turn <laughs> um and also yeah just finding an exercise that that you enjoy mm -hmm. and um, the days that I don't feel like it all I need to do to shift my state is picture myself post-exercise mm. and what will I feel what will I see what will I hear post-exercise yeah. and that always shifts my motivation to go and do it nearly yeah. like 90% of the time mm -hmm. and what really helps me too is just knowing that it's normal to not feel like it Mm -hmm. and looking at the time and say, I'm just looking at the time now, it's 10 to 2. If you're about to do a 20-minute workout going, okay, I'm going to be done at 10 past 2. Like that is no time at all. So I might as well just do it and then it'll be done and then I can experience all those benefits. But if when you don't make it so tangible like that, sometimes it can feel like a drag or it's never going to be over. That's a really, I really like that. I'm going to use that. It's <laughs> so useful, especially when you're procrastinating yeah you go right do it it's going to be done in that amount of time and like you I love getting outside for a run I really missed it the last few years with a back injury but I'm getting back to it nature and you can just think but when you think when you're exercising it's from a positive place it's game changing isn't it and um you're just so positive so when you're not moving it's stagnant and I definitely believe mm. any type of movement fast or slow is is moving yeah you know, stagnant energy around the body. It is mm. it's a way of expressing. Because yeah. you so much clarity, doesn't it? I find my my to-do list um, before a workout seems unmanageable. Um, how am I ever going to do it? It's almost like a big cluttered mess, even though it's written down. And then do a workout and it doesn't seem daunting at all. And all of a sudden you can approach it with 
like we were saying, this positivity and this, not this be all and end all sort of, you know, it's, oh, well, some of it won't get done, but that's okay. You know, just the important things will get done. Yeah. Shift mm. your perspective. Mm. Clara, that's amazing. So tell us about what Will to Live is doing now in the Rural Change Programme. Yeah, Will to Live now is, um, but at the end of last year, um, I just looked and, and Will to Live is in a really good place financially. We've done, you know, three years of campaigns and fundraising, um, which was awesome. Had a, have a lot of support um, from rural communities. And I just wanted to almost just get rid of this money as quickly as I can in the best way possible, purely mm -hmm. because money just sitting there is just money wasted. So yeah. I was like, right. I, Did you feel a sense of guilt kind of that that money could be helping people yeah, instead of sitting there? Yeah, yeah. And, and I think also I had to have a reflection like, okay, so the last four years of Will to Live's existence, there's been that many mental health campaigns. There's been that many mental health awareness um, charities start up that you know I want to get away from awareness what is the needs of rural people what are the needs of of New Zealanders right mm -hmm. now and it came down to getting messages saying Ellie I've opened up to my friends and family um, but they haven't been supportive or they don't know what to do or you know what should I do I was getting messages mm -hmm. almost daily of like have you seen like which counselor did you go to like you know trying to get some sort of support for the rest of Will to Live's days, I'm going to chuck a program up. So the Rural Change Program was born out of the need that Kiwis were waiting eight weeks to see a mental health professional. Yeah. And, um, and Gosh, eight weeks is a long time when you've oh, yeah. caught in your own head, isn't it? This is this is our health system. We go to the mm -hmm. doctors and we go, okay, we're depressed and it might be grief, it might be anything, but then they've got 15 minutes, so we can't delve into that just mm -hmm. yet. So here's some pills to get you to eight weeks to get you to wait until you can get some professional help. And mm. it's a sick cycle. And I, I just have I empathize for the people that are that are waiting for this. Like I just you shouldn't have to wait. However, there is a lot that we can be self-responsible for and we can start making changes already. So with our rules change program, um, A, we, we get people to, um, they, anyone can apply also in the rural industry. It started off being livestock farmers on the ground farmers, but mm -hmm. now it's anyone with a rural affiliation. So that's what we love. Yeah. Or a sharer or a rural mum or, or a partner that's just resides on farm. Anyone that's mm -hmm. in an isolating position in New Zealand, pretty much. Yeah. So what about like um, small rural communities that aren't actually, you know, the township of Chibiot, for example, where I grew up, if someone lived in a small town yeah. like that, but they weren't on a farm, they can. Yeah. 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 yeah pretty much. I don't think we'll ever say no to anyone. I was going to say that probably <laughs> if someone from the city got in touch. Yeah. You. yeah. Um, and there are, can be limitations for rural professionals that even get um, offered counselling in their business because mm -hmm. they have to go through a specific set of counselors um whereas i really like about the rural change program is you can pick whoever you want to go and see ah, yeah you can pick a naturopath you can pick a psychologist you can pick um honu honu like a multi therapist you can pick anything an energy healer and and we'll pay for it because i don't believe there is um you know, conventional counseling or um, is is the ticket for everyone. Um, mm -hmm. For me, it was re-traumatizing, but I went 
linking and I got my energy balanced and I could sleep again. Yeah. So I'm, I'm very holistic in the way of try, try different therapies, try different modalities and find yeah. one that you like. If you're finding three counselors aren't working, maybe, maybe switch modalities. Yeah. Um, and then, and um, I'm trying to bring those up into the surface of, of what is out there. And when someone applies through to the rural change program, I give them a health professional guide, which simplifies choosing a health professional. Instead of having a, a massive list or link to the NZ Councils Association, we create this health professional guide for it and it's individualized to each person. So if you are, you know, in Cheviot, I'll try and pick the top five in Canterbury that you know, we've got good um, testimonials for and yeah, give people different options of, of who they can see. And awesome. that just helps. And, and I mean, and I also say by all means, if you don't like the five or five to 10 that I've chosen for you, you can go on these links and, and find your own. It's cool. so open. Yeah. And then, so what's the criteria? Because there might be some, some people sitting out there listening, thinking, you know, they want to go and see someone, um, even myself, but I'm not bad enough. Yeah, I get that a lot. Yeah, I think if you and and this is why I've I'm trying to market it around. You know, rule change is a well being program. So if you want to, from improve your relationships, improve your health, improve your diet, if there's one thing in your life that, you know, you just need and want some guidance on, even mm -hmm. or you know chase a chase a goal, um, change a belief that seems to be limiting you then yeah, definitely seek some professional help. These professionals can help you reframe, can help mm. you find different perspectives, learnings, meanings, that you, so you can live a life of your dreams. And, um, and I think it's really powerful that not only do you pay for it, but there's giving the options. Like in my situation, I've been thinking about going to talk to someone. Um, and like I said, not really bad, but I've actually gone on about this in my, in my podcast. So a few of you will be thinking, Kate, have you still not gone to see someone? <laughs> But I think the barrier for me is, and I haven't really done much research, but knowing who to go and see and where. And so I think I'm going to, I'll definitely have to check out the program just to see what the options are because you don't really know. Yeah. And yeah. even a Google's not really going to help. Yeah. Don't doctor Google. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, Google as in who shall, yeah. shall you go and see, you know, where do you oh, even yeah. start? Cause there's so many different options and. Yeah, definitely. And I'm thankful for, um, you know, three to four years of trying different modalities. And I mean, it's so personal for everyone, but at least I've, I've had an insight to so many different practitioners um, yeah. and, and seen which ones have been really helpful and which ones have not. So that's why I really like to give not only different psychologist numbers, but also different modalities for you to try. Mm. So in the application form, it's, it's optional, but you can write like what is something that you want to work on and the only people that are going to see the rule change program and it's 100% confidential it's illegal if we share any information mm -hmm. it's just myself and my administrator Gabby who actually pays the invoices of your health professional when that mm -hmm. comes through so it's only us two that see this information um, and you have this option to write in the box like what do you want to work on and that would help me to suggest and mm -hmm. make your and ind individualize your form so a lot of um some people have said I want to improve my relationship I want to improve my marriage right mm -hmm. so I might find dig a bit deeper to find psychologists that works with couples therapy mm -hmm. um or yeah and so that's it's really helpful when people do that
for sure. So yeah, yeah. amazing. What an incredible thing you've done. I hope you realize how amazing it is. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do. I'm very proud of it. And I, I want to this program to live as long as, as possible. And mm -hmm. it, and it will like, if we just keep scouting funding and we've been supportive and I don't see it going anywhere anytime soon. Mm -hmm. The, um, when we first launched, um, you know, I was, I didn't know whether all the money was going to go in one month or it was going to be 10 years. Mm -hmm. And I can safely say there is money out there for everyone. Like wow. do not even think that you might not be bad enough. Um, if you at all have an urge to improve your well-being, to honestly take the opportunity up for sure. That's it incredible. Life-changing for you and the, and the lives you touch as well. And with um, the Rural Support Trust, you're working closely with them? Yes, yeah, we do. So they love Rural Support Trust. They do an amazing job. They do a job that we couldn't do, which is go out and see farmers on farm and have mm -hmm. that face-to-face -face interaction. Mm -hmm. So um, how we work in with Rural Support Trust, we developed that relationship when we first started Will to Live. And now um, they will help the people they see on farm to fill out our application form to get funding. So they're really awesome if you would like to have that face-to-face -face interaction first, and they can also guide you to support. And also Rural Support Trust have... Um, a, a list of like counselors and psychologists that they recommend as well. They've got a yeah. great database where they send people and they can skip, skip eight week waiting lists. So yeah, they are definitely an amazing thing for rural New Zealand to, to have. And mm -hmm. I feel lucky to have them in our primary industry. Sure. Oh, this is awesome. I think um, it's really important that people know that not just that the help's there, but that they deserve that help, that it's for them that they don't have to be bad yeah, and that, you know, they can access these things just to make their lives better, which is so cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're up till two o'clock in the morning and you've got racing mind syndrome, like that's a time to go. On yeah. Here, you know, yeah. like there's obviously something there that's not being processed and, and mm. how relieving and how like satisfying and beautiful life will be to just tick the one or two things off mm. and you never know it might be this underlying like you get this quite a bit like I'm depressed and don't know why will mm -hmm. help someone guide you into finding the why you mm -hmm. know and yeah and I'm yeah actually Helen one of our um yoga teachers she spoke about that when I interviewed her on the podcast when she seeked help for anxiety and things, she had no idea what it was. And the psychologist worked it out from their conversations, what it was. And it was, mm -hmm. a, it was like, it was a moment in childhood that was still affecting her as an adult. Okay. I'm going to finish with some fun questions. Are you a morning or a night person? Both. <laughs> middle of the day, middle of the day. Yeah. I'm, I'm a morning person. Yeah. Morning. Hit or weights? Weights. Yoga or Pilates? Yoga. <laughs> Dance or sing in front of a crowd? Dance. <laughs> nice. Sneakers or hiking boots? Hiking boots. I knew the answer to that one. That's what I put <laughs> hiking boots <laughs> rather than sneakers or, or heels. Hiking boots sounds more exciting, like you're going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, they do. They, they spark adventure. Mm. And so do heels, which is normally sneakers or heels, but heels are the same. They're adventure as well. For me, are. anyway. <laughs> um, dogs or horses? This is a big question. Uh, now it would be dogs. 
city or country. Oh, that's right. That was something I wanted to ask you about because you oh, live in a big change in the city. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd definitely say I'm I'm half and half now. Yeah. Um, I absolutely will always be a country person at heart because I absolutely froth the outdoors. I'm mm. either in the ocean or in, in the mountains most weekends. Um, however, the city has brought me a lot of opportunity in the last year, two years, where it's it's more access to people who are passionate about the same things as me. Mm-hmm. So I'm studying natural medicine, naturopathy. Um, I also studied NLP, yoga, and awesome. the people that I need to learn off live in the city. So hence mm-hmm. why I'm moving towards the city. For this and I guess that what you're saying there is, you know, we're so we're really passionate about all women and their health and well-being, um, and we're just wanting to shine a light on rural women's mental health. And I think what you've said there has really summed up some of the challenge that rural women face: the lack of access to resources and support, and the lack of access to like-minded people. And people, you know, that share the same um, desires or passions or, you know, access to education and things that make you feel like you. Oh, 100%. Like my community is, whatever the strength of my community is, is how strong my my mental health, my physical health Mm -hmm. is. Um, I am a people person. It might be different, but I value my social life and my community over nearly everything else. So going to the city and finding mentors to teach me to, you know, be educating and then finding like surfing groups or mountaineering or snow groups or, you know, there's so many communities that are fill up a city and it's and it's really easily accessible to, to mm. switch communities if you don't like one. <laughs> so just to find find your people. But also, um, yeah, so if there is something you are passionate about and, you know, hit people up on social media that you enjoy following or, mm. you know, ask them questions. There's so much to learn from from every person or start your own community group or community yoga night or anything, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my next, yeah, in the next um, six months, I'm actually starting another foundation um, for women um, that will be around creating communities around New Zealand. So wow. connect because since oh, moving- that's amazing. We'll definitely do what we can yeah. to work in with you for that because we have, a, you know, communities all over New Zealand and Australia of women linked yeah. through Dedicate. So we're definitely keen to work with you on that. Yeah, um, skiing or water skiing? Um, I don't ski, I snowboard and I surf. So Okay, that's a good question then. Snowboard or surf? Oh, no, I hate this question. I can't. <laughs> I can't. It's like choosing your favourite parent. Your... It um, just cut out, but you said it's like choosing your favourite parent. I love yeah, it. I, I just can't do that. You just that's, can't. You're not oh, going to an- answer that question. Oh, I'm surfing <laughs> in summer. It's snow in winter. <laughs> <laughs> love it, love it. Love. Are they two of your biggest passions in the outdoors yeah they are now they bring me so much joy so much relief they are my they're my coping mechanism but they're also just my soul filling activity and it's adrenaline as well isn't it um we i watched point break the other night it's old old movie really old um have you seen it no you must see it it's um really good it's got keanu reeves and he can't act but it's a bloody good movie. 
and it's got I can't think you know of Dirty Dancing and he um he died of Patrick Swayze Swayze. yeah he's in it as well I'm a celebrity crush (laughs) (laughs) okay you're watching Point Break soon but what was my moral of the story my moral of the story was I was just watching them surf being like wow that must be so cool to be able to surf yeah like seriously what an awesome sport well, they're surfing for farmers now, which I just encourage anyone to go and find their nearest spot. They have so much support, so much funding, and farmers are just finding a new hobby, a new passion in their life. And I think so cool. that within itself is healing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yes, it's having something that is a hobby that you're passionate outside of your usual day to day. And also, and this is the same with doing the workouts as well and joining Dedicate is that self-efficacy and achieving something. So doing something and accomplishing it and Mm -hmm. all the mental health benefits you get from that, that's outside of, you know, your work or family life. Yeah. Wash the dishes or dry them. Wash. And I just realized some, another question I wanted to ask you, do you have a, a boyfriend at the moment or girlfriend? No, I don't. No. I am a happy single on the person. market, ready to yeah. ready to go. I'm also like I feel like I'm off market. Like I am in yeah. this very big learning stage. In my I know life, what you mean. Yeah, where I am. Um, I the 2022 goal for Ali is to expand my community, expand my mentors and my friends, and I've I've done that and still doing it. And I think I'm just very content with my yeah. social life and my pals that I don't really need much more and I'm oh how good only this is the first time I've ever been in this space where I'm not seeking attachment for oh amazing or hidden agendas so are you all not scared but because you're in such a good place but I don't know what I'm trying to describe is like you another person in your life maybe signifies the old Ellie in a way and you're not kind of ready for yeah I think I'm just still exploring um, where I want to go, where I want to move to. And mm-hmm. I just don't feel like I can, can compromise for anyone else. Like mm. I definitely want to at some stage, yeah. but I like having the opportunity now to be like, where, do I, where does Ellie want to go? On oh, the freedom does, of not having a, a want, significant like, other. Think about me for a wee while oh. and it's, it's quite nice. It is. I'm, that is I'm nice. Doing I'm it. Slightly, slightly envious. But. <laughs> but if you find the right person, I feel like it would just slide on in. Like I'm. I'm sure it will. Like, and that I'm person. Off, but I'm yeah. just like, it, I'll just. It'll be the right time. They'll be the right person. They'll have to have their shit sorted. You're not going to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> open to anyone that's carrying too much baggage because you don't want that anymore. No, I'm <laughs> finding unhealed people. <laughs> funnily enough um, I thought of that because the question was wash the dishes or dry the dishes that's great (laughs) (laughs) you have to do both I mean people were thinking don't you use the dishwasher lady because I always ask this question but there are always the big the big ones that don't fit in there yeah yeah definitely so which one are you doing I would definitely question because yes and And you're in control like you're the man yeah yeah and then getting a soggy tea towel do you know oh, New yeah. Zealand is yeah, apparently it's not the worst way of washing dishes because we dry um, our dishes with a tea towel oh no we wash our dishes in the dirty sink water yeah. and then dry it with a dirty tea towel and I just was like yeah that's oh, so true 
don't actually do that. Because <laughs> mum had some people staying once and they couldn't get over that they were just washing their dishes with running hot water and they were like, yuck, it's so disgusting. But actually maybe that's not. Yeah, now I can't even look This is at a big some- question. You have the sink water is like brown and you're putting dishes in. Yeah. Oh my God. I hate it when I get to those last few and you're like, oh, this is dodgy. Yeah. I think we need to abort mission, but yeah. yeah, And sometimes I do, (laughs) but you've always done at least a couple where that shouldn't have been washed in that water. And then I might leave a couple because, oh, we have so many dishes. Don't fit in the dishwasher. Yeah. Anyway, it's a so it's a big topic. We'd need a whole another podcast for yeah, for that for that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> um, tea or coffee or none? Coffee is my coffee. Weakness. I was I was gonna go either go either way with that, where coffee would be a big part of your life or something that you'd got rid of. I I aim to get rid of it, but it's just so good. <laughs> you can't do everything. You got to have some vices. Um, clubbing or barbecue with mates? Oh, I am a bit of a. Oh, I'm a festy goer. I love a good festival yeah. because that's my energy and meet as many people as possible and music. Like that's yeah, that's my other release. Yeah. yeah. So I actually love I love gigs, not clubs, but gigs. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> so the idea would probably be a, a barbecue with some mates before the festival and then going to the festival. That would be like that the perfect day. Like a dream day. Yeah. <laughs> it does. It really does. I've got a girls' weekend in a couple of weeks and I'm so excited. Oh my goodness. <laughs> This is a random one. Monopoly or Scrabble? Scrabble. And Ooh. when you can do dirty Scrabble. <laughs> when you, can, like, you don't have to do dictionary words. Like you can do slang. Oh, like, yes. Slang. Like oh, I yeah. use should be a word. For anyone that likes English is going to hate me. Oh, no, that's not a word, mate. That's not a word. You, <laughs> use guys, is it? Use guys. Use. <laughs> How do you spell use? Use. Y-O-U-S. Use. Yeah, probably. <laughs> oh, I have most terrible spelling and grammar. Oh, good. I love it. So then it's amazing that you love Scrabble. I guess that's why you love the um the slang version. I only like Scrabble if you, um yeah, don't have to spell things correctly because I, I can't spell. Yeah. Like, yeah. And probably you wouldn't enjoy playing with someone who was like a walking, talking, walking, talking dictionary. That wouldn't be much fun. Yeah. And I feel like with Scrabble, you keep your friendships pretty solid I feel like Monopoly um, oh yes that's true there can be some fisticuffs but Monopoly deal is my new favorite thing and I like. I really um, want to play that I need to get it for the kids one of my best guy mates every like if we go out for any dinner or pub meal or anything like that he now brings Monopoly deals (laughs) oh that's classic and he's like no no just like trying to clear space so we don't lose the game and god that's awesome (laughs) I want to play that sounds so fun things you can take to a hut so you can like take over to wines and it's just it's the greatest game I am buying that I can't imagine how it works but I'm sure it's simple and it's pro it's not as long like I play Monopoly with the kids and it's like hold on do I have two hours okay yeah <laughs> we totally do the free parking though could never play it without the free parking rule you know where you put the money in the middle and if you land on free parking and get the stash yeah it's a stupid game without it <laughs> um oh okay change your tire I'm like surprised by my own questions here. Um, change your tire or flag someone to change it for you. Flag a motorist down to change it for you. Oh, I 
that was one of the first things I learned when I got my first car. So I, I knew that was going to be your answer. Mum, I wasn't wasn't allowed to drive my car at the driveway until Mum had watched me change it. That's so good. That's awesome. Oh, Ronnie. <laughs> that is a good call. Um, digital or paper diary? Oh, I have recently gone to digital. Google mm-hmm. Calendar is my new best friend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Mountains or beach? Oh, um, yeah, that's a big question. That's like skiing or snowboarding, isn't it? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. I've been a mountain. I grew up in a mountain ski town my whole life, and so I've only got a taster of the ocean the last year. Um, so the, the ocean is a lot, a lot more exciting. There is something... I mean, when when I look at Aoraki Mount Cook, there is something magical, magnificent, like mm. it pulls pulls your body as well. I feel like the ocean does that everywhere. Mm-hmm. No matter where it is, the ocean does that. Yeah, I think every, oh, it skips through my mind every day. I'm in this gratitude pool where like, I can't believe we live in New Zealand. Like mm. the Southern Alps are extraordinary. And if I'm ever, I'd go to the mountains if I'm ever feeling a little lost or icky or just a bit sad, would yeah. would go to the mountains and, and hike away my <laughs> feelings yeah. or process. Um, yeah, and it's getting that the exercise in. Me, um, a lot of community. Yeah, the awesome. ocean and yeah. Champagne or cocktails? Espresso martinis. Oh, yeah. So good. <laughs> um, text or call? Call every time. Oh, voice memo. Voice memo. Oh, now. my God. I love voice memos too. <laughs> yeah. I love, um, yeah, they're so good because you, it's so hard to, ex- like, it's not worth a call. You can't ring them and annoy them what, what they're doing, but you want to get a message across. Yeah. Oh, it's game changing. They can reply in their own time and you still yeah. get Yeah. Yes. And you, oh, voicemail has to be the worst thing in the world. But, oh, boy, you know, because you've got to go and check, type the number in, and then you hear, you have 45 messages. Number one. Oh, my goodness. How am I going to get to the one I need? Oh, if you ever leave me a voicemail, I'll never. You'll, I'll don't worry. You won't get one from me. <laughs> they don't happen often now. It's normally yeah. a real, it's normally only if it's someone important that, I don't know, the doctor or the mm. someone, I get random phone calls from Auckland and you just never know who it is, but they'll leave a message. One more is a big question, probably the biggest question of the day. Spag bowl or nachos? Oh, nachos, nachos. Yeah. Mm. It's a big question though, right? Mm-hmm, that is. It's a hard one. I like these questions. <laughs> <laughs> they are fun. It's really nice to finish with a bit of fun and, to engage and stuff it's cool I enjoy it but sometimes I get embarrassed about the questions but I think if you just appreciate the questions for what they are they're good you know what I mean they don't have to be amazing I get stressed out that they're not amazing questions it might sound silly no, but... they make me feel like it's nice it makes you feel like someone's also interested in you and then too yeah. makes you feel grateful for the one you choose no it's fun um I have to get someone to ask me these questions one day yeah. to write a list and say can you ask me all these questions please yeah <laughs> oh thank you so much Al thank you on behalf of the rural community for everything that you do um, and thank you so much for your time today it's so good to yeah learn so much more about you I didn't know about your car crash for example like what a hectic few years and look at the person you are it's um it's super inspiring Thank you very much. Yeah. And um, if anyone has any other questions about rule change or just anything in general, like I'm such an open door, open book person, 
not hiding anything just just come and message me either on instagram or that's actually probably the only really thing i look at facebook's kind of gone <laughs> oh it has yeah. but i was saying to a friend it's quite sad because you don't get to see other people's lives as much well especially my age group um your age group probably shares still shares a lot on instagram and our age group shares a bit on instagram and that's mm. about it you just you don't yeah yeah i just um i have to i deleted snapchat and um facebook i just keep messenger but i can't have too many apps demanding well they're not actually demanding my attention but they steal my attention they do they really do they're they're an addictive force so i just keeping the one app um yeah for now i'm pleased it's instagram that's my favorite as well although i'm not a massive fan of reels oh um, instagram is gonna uh it's gonna get a hiding soon i think it is i think it needs to go back to its true core values eh? yeah it's yeah, trying yeah. to be TikTok, but it's not TikTok. It's Instagram. You're good as Instagram. Yeah, just just stay you. I like yeah. I don't TikTok, and then you brought me it. <laughs> yeah, but totally. I feel like Instagram needs to go and see a counselor, yeah. sort out where it sits, yeah, where it's right. at, not look over its shoulder so much. Yeah. Thank oh, thanks, so Al. Have an awesome day. Thanks so much for your time. Thank you. Catch up soon. See ya. Bye. Thank you all so much for listening to the Dedicate podcast and a massive thanks to Ali for opening up and sharing her story. Suicide, especially in rural areas, is tragically common and we are proud to be raising money for Will to Live and Blue Tree Project, both doing amazing things for rural mental health. Workout for Mental Health starts tomorrow, Monday the 15th of August and it's all about encouraging you to exercise for how it makes you feel and the mental health benefits. Exercise is an important tool to manage my own anxiety and stress and it feels so good to be helping others to do the same. So join us with your seven day free trial to get fit and feel great at kateivyfitness.com. Also ensure you haven't missed last week's podcast with Blue Tree Project founder and CEO Kendall White. A similar story in that Kendall set up her charitable trust after losing her brother to suicide.